Blog Talk Radio. The old man proceeded to take his walk down memory lane. His particular memory lane, a place in Chicago on the south side known as Washington Park. Its boundaries are from 51st Street on the north to 60th on the south. South Parkway on the west, Cottage Grove on the east. In this park, any given day in the summer months, you will find many, many people. Lots of old people, lots of young people, children playing. The old man was walking down one of the paths in the park, feeding the pigeons and the squirrels as he walked along, enjoying himself and enjoying the beautiful day, listening to the children as they laughed and played over in the little play area. Their laugh was so catching and infectious, he had to stop for a moment just to stand there and watch them. While standing there, he looked around and he saw another young man sitting over there all by himself. He walked over to him and he said, Young man, why are you sitting here all alone? Why aren't you playing with the other children? The little boy looked up at him and said, Oh, well, sir, see, I don't like to play with the kids no more because they just do the same thing every day. They just want to shoot marbles and ride up and down on the sliding boards and swing and then play tag and all those kind of games, hide and seek. And I, I don't like that anymore. I want to be like the big boys. I want to be like my big brother. See, my big brother... My big brother wears them big, fine silk suits, Jim, and drives them white on white and white cars. And he has pockets full of money and plenty of girlfriends. He got so many girlfriends, I just don't believe it. See, but um, I can't do that because I'm a kid, see? And I want to hurry up and grow up. So the old man said, that's good, son. He walked over. He said, can I sit down by you for a moment? The little boy said, okay. And he slid over. The old man sat down and said, listen, son, you've got a long way to go. You've got a lot to see, a lot of places to go, a lot of things to do. I had that opportunity once, and I tried to take advantage of it. That's what you should do. Let me tell you a little story, kid. He said... It was 
very good year. It was a very good year for blue-blooded girls of independent means. They would ride in their limousines. That's the girls the chauffeurs would drive when it was. But now the days grow short He's in the autumn of the year And now he thinks of his life As vintage wine from fine old cakes From the brim to the dregs Oh, it pours a sweet and clear It was a very good year It was a very good year to G Radio New York City and I'm your host Greg Lather. Today you're going to spend the evening with myself, Nina Ross, who is Lou Ross's wife, and his daughter Kendra Ross. And we're going to talk about Lou Ross. So hold on a second. Nina, are you there? Hello there. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Fabulous now. <laughs> I was having well, some technical difficulties. This. You know, Nina, I grew up, my house, you know me, I grew up listening to Lou. I had no choice. So now the two people that inspired me the most was Lou Rawls and Marvin Gaye. And you know I have everything he ever owned. And ladies and gentlemen, I got his lovely, wonderful wife on the phone, Nina Rawls. So, Nina, tell us, tell us, what what was it like being married to Lou Rawls? Oh, that's always a funny question for me. Um, I knew I'm a music nut. I have been since I was 11 years old, and I knew all of his songs, and, of course, especially You'll Never Find. And um, and one day, I, I was a flight attendant for many years, and one day I was working a flight from Los Angeles, and they had come down and asked that Lou Rawls and his band pre-board and so, nonetheless, we allowed him on, and I wanted I really wanted nothing to do with him, but I loved his music, and I admired him as an artist. And so, um, when he asked me out, I said no, and he pursued me <laughs> relentlessly for about seven months, and finally I said to my girlfriend, you know what, I'll just go out with him, and he'll get it out of his system, and we'll move on. But that charm, that charisma that you saw on stage every night is exactly who he was in person, and I fell madly in love with him and married him. So what was it like to live with him? He was as normal as I, – I, I never saw him as anything but my husband. The only time it would right. really hit me was when he was on stage, and I'd go, wow, that's Lou Rawls. But, you know, at home like – he, he was a true entertainer. He was a true entertainer. He was. Yes, very much so. But he really – never knew who he was. He was always shocked when people would be crying when they see him, and he was always shocked by people's reaction to him. And uh, so at home it was funny because we'd be like, take out the trash, you know, pick up your clothes off the floor, and 
<laughs> I'm losing my mind. Then I see him on stage, and I go, "That's that's the legend. That's Lou Rawls." So it's uh, listen, he is to me what everyone else's husband is to them. I mean, his clothes were always on the floor, and I was screaming about that and taking out the trash. So he was just a normal, just a normal right. guy with. He never walked around the house just singing. You know, it wasn't like right. Yeah, so he was just it was a crazy. he was a every he was an everyday guy. Of course, you know, as you saw him, right? Every day, every day. Yeah, and you know, just no- I just, I was like, I remember, you know, growing up, and my dad, you know, I, my mom and dad went to see him. He came to uh, D.C. I don't know, I can't, I can't remember where he was, but I remember my dad coming back and goes, son. You're gonna love this guy, and I'm like, oh man, are you serious? I want to hear the Jackson Five, but they couldn't, they wouldn't every day, every day before my dad go to work, come home Saturdays. You heard Lou Rawls in our household, and I'll never forget one of my moments of my dad sitting down and listening to, um, I can't think of the name of oh, Dead End Street, oh no, Tobacco Road. My dad was sitting there on a Saturday. And he had he was drinking. I'm like, he was having a drink, listening to that. And I'm like, what are you drinking? He goes, I'm toasting to Lou Ross. Scotch Aww. and, wait, scotch and milk. I'm like, really? Wow. And I'm like, so he goes, son, milk. when you grow up, scotch and milk. And I said, he goes, son, when you grow up, you'll listen to Lou Ross and drink scotch and milk too. Mm, not so much. You? <laughs> I was going to say. No. No, well, I don't drink scotch and and definitely scotch and milk, but I do listen to Lou. <laughs> yeah, well, I do remember so. when I met you, and it was funny because right. I'm very, um, I'm very secretive and I I I'm very quiet. I'm very shy for the most part. So when I get on the airplanes, I'm very I just get in my seat and I don't move. And um, oftentimes I lie when people ask me what I do. I'm either a computer salesman <laughs> or at something. And so I find out someone's in the industry. Um, but we sat next to each other, and in conversation, right. even before you knew who I was, you right. told me what you did, and you said that right. um, your biggest dreams were to do a movie on Marvin Gaye and Lou Rawls. And right. that is when I looked at you and told you that I was Lou Rawls' wife. But So it's true when I, I believe, I love that I'm hey, able you to know really and know that to be true because you said it to me well before you knew who I was. And when I was sitting there, you know what, I'm nobody's groupie, and I'm sitting there going, oh, I couldn't, you know what, and anybody knows me, I'm never lost for words. But oh, when no. you said there and go, <laughs> but when you said, ah, and you were casual about it, you know, big deal. Oh, uh, you know, uh, my name is Nina Ross. I'm Lou Ross. I was like, uh, I remember that flight. I think I had like six Jack Daniels and Cokes. I don't I remember that flight. I was Hey, that's one of my moments in life, Nina. That was definitely one of my moments in life. When when I was just, oh, I'm gonna do, I'm, you know, I'm pumping myself up. I'm gonna do Blue Ross, my man. And you're like sitting there going, hmm, hmm, hmm. And I debated, hmm. I debated whether or not to say anything. And then when you just spoke, see, when when I hear people talk about him that way, because that's the way I feel about him every minute of every day. And listen. Right. I've never tried to sugarcoat it. I've never lied to the media. I've always said my marriage wasn't perfect. You know, anybody who says it right. is, is is lying. They're lying. But it was my right. marriage, Absolutely. and there was a love that was so, there was such a respect from the both of us. Yes, we had our problems. I would defy anyone to say they didn't. 
But when I right. I I speak of him and I mean like I could have I remember I used to threaten to just I go I'm gonna bite those lips right off your mouth like I'm gonna squeeze <laughs> your cheeks and he'd always go well baby then I can't sing so like I admired right. him and loved him so much that um, so when I hear other people talk of him that way it makes me right. feel so good so I really debated whether or not to tell you that it was me but you spoke <laughs> and when you said that your dream was just to do the two movies on Marvin Gaye and on right. Lou Rawls then I knew that I had right. to introduce myself. And, so. and, and and listeners, let me tell you this. I know Nina personally, and when you should see the passion in her eyes. You can hear it in her voice, but you should see the passion in her eyes when she talks about her husband. It's true, true, unbelievable love. And, I mean, Nina, I've known you for a while, and you know what? You, 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 you live to keep his name out in front of people. I admire that. You're amazing. Well, people always ask you me, are it's been five years, why haven't you dated? Why don't you date? And I, I really believe that I've had my love. Like, I I couldn't imagine sharing the things that we shared. And so, you know, people go, I mean, that's five years. It's been long enough. You're young. You know, why don't you date? Because I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And not that I would ever want anyone to fill loose shoes. No one could. when you share that when you share that marriage and you share that intimacy and you share those personal, you know, I have a family. I have Kendra, his daughter. I have his son, Lou Jr. I have my, our son, Aiden. I feel like God's given me my love, and now I'm just destined to raise my children or my child and and live, his, you know, take care of his legacy live his, live in out, the right way. Keep his name out there. Yes. Right. So, so Nina, yeah, you I, know I what? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that, so that's the reason when people go, you know, it's been five years. Why haven't you dated? Why haven't you, you know, when are you going to date? And I just go, it's just not for me, I don't think. Right. So I am going to play, at, you know what, one of my favorites and one of your favorites and one of Lou's favorites and one, and every time I heard this song, and one of Kendra's favorites, every time I hear this song, it just makes me weep. And no one did this. Like Lou, this is the song is called "Send in the Clowns." And let me tell Nina. you, I have to tell you this. He sang it, and he would and he would announce it because listen, I hope your 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 audience understands when they hear this. There is not a version of this song ever that could compare to the version. And I hope you have the 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 one I'm thinking of. Um, it's live. The way he did this song. Okay, so if it was live. This is the way he did this song. Is it, no one will ever match it. And I, ev- I was in the show. I was at the show every night, and every night he would sing it, no matter how sick of it he got, because he would. And he would say, "If I don't sing this, my wife will kill me." Of all 82 <laughs> albums, and the, I, I love so many of his songs. I weep when I hear the verse, the way he did this song that only he could do. So I hope everyone enjoys it. So Nina, I'm gonna put you on hold. I'm gonna go. We're gonna play "Sending the Clowns," and I'm gonna come right back to you. Okay. I'm good, Sending the clown, the 
your bliss, baby. Don't you approve? Yes. One who keeps tearing around. There's no time to that live. One who. Can't move But where are the clouds Send in the clouds Just when I've stopped Opening again with my usual plan sure of my life but no one is there don't You know, I thought that you want what I want. I'm sorry. Changed it up a little bit and held those notes out. Oh, that's I. That's that was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh my God! I'm. You know what? I don't even know what to say, Nina. That was simply amazing. Yeah, yeah. It was. Oh. You know, he could have sang the phone book and made it, you know, sensual. He's just that voice. He didn't train. He's never been uh, formally vocally trained. That was all natural. That he didn't warm up before shows. He didn't do. He just would get out there, and that was it. He did. He would do an hour and thirty minutes nonstop, and just it was unreal. It was unreal. And he made so. it seem he had the voice. He, he, the voice, the silky smooth. You know what? He did it better. He did it better than anybody because he was so he. You know what? I was unfortunate not to see him in concert ever, but just listening to him and the stories my father and my mother tell me and the stories you tell me, you know what? There's really, I have no regrets in life, but there's only one really I do with meeting your husband. Uh, well, that's why I'm looking forward to working on the movie project with you because you'll feel like you knew him. He, one thing about Lou, and, and it was a bane of, you know, we had some issues with that, but he never said no to a, an autograph or a photo We'd be, you know, they'd be right. closing the door of an aircraft, and I'd go, Lou, we're going to miss the flight. And he'd say, baby, if they stop asking, we're out of business. And I'd go, but do you understand, <laughs> we cannot say yes to everything. So as his manager, of course I wanted him, but he just, he loved his fans so much and was so appreciative and so thankful for their love and support. I and mean, he was, I used to call him, like, I used to say, Lou, you're like a bad beetle because <laughs> Women are crying in airports and falling to their knees, and like, and it would scare me because I'd think, oh God, are they okay? And and he, they would see him, and just lose their minds. So it was um, it was definitely an experience for me to see this legend that was. Uh, one day I sent he and my brothers to Home Depot just to grab mm-hmm. one item. They were gone for an hour, and I called my brother and I said, what's going on? And he goes. He's signing autographs to the table in the middle of Home Depot. So he, <laughs> that's just the way he was. He never said no. He was so appreciative of every, of all of his fans and where he got in life. And so he was, he was one of a kind. He was one. You of know a what, kind. Nina? I did research on, you know, from, you know, because he was, he's, you know, pretty important in my life. You're the best manager he's ever had. Well, you know, Sharon Stone did that. Sharon Stone, I. I love, I mean, music's been my whole life. Um, and when and Lou and I met, you know, things, you know, people would assume he's worth millions, and he should have been. But, you know, in the industry, when you can't control your own money, um, right. people do things. And sadly, it's the way it is. But Sharon Stone said to me one day, um, I've managed Ozzy for years. She said, Nina, you manage your husband. You don't let anyone else manage him because no one will take care of your household like you will. No one will appreciate right. and and she was right. And so I had to learn. And what better way to learn, though, than going straight into managing a legend? Um, I had right. to learn the business really quickly. And it's a cutthroat, mm-hmm. as you know, cutthroat killer business. Yes, definitely. He was at a place where he was a legend already, very established. Um, and so she made, she really drilled it into my head, and she was right because we had found, sadly, that he'd been preyed upon by many businessmen. Just like he wasn't. He was unlike, or I'm sorry, let me take that back. It wasn't as if he escaped what happens to most artists when they have too many people dealing with them and 
embezzling money and so forth, and sadly that became the case. But she made a great point. No one will care about your household the way you will. So, right. yeah, I came on Managed Him. Let me, let, me, let me ask you this, Nina, not to cut you off. Let me ask you this. Now, you were you would be all be of all in the ball and lose life. Now, did was there did you separate like business from like was there a time where you guys get up and you go to a concert? You had to be this. Were you the okay? Were you the manager? You were all. Did you, did you separate the two, the manager and the wife? It, it was difficult because um, well, I I, I was. I'm Lebanese. I was raised. I I he, I was always a wife. He was, <laughs> right. He was First. Um, but you know, he, we had very little time off. We were touring still 200 days a year. Those were road wow. tours of live, live engagements. And then you know, he was the voice of many um, cartoon characters. So when we weren't on the road traveling, we were in L.A. He was either doing his movies, doing a new album, uh, doing voiceovers. So it was difficult. Then. Then the one or two days we had home, which is why we bought our home way out in Arizona, sort of to escape. Then mm-hmm. I had him up at early hours doing radio interviews around the country for the next gig and sitting there signing you know, autographs for people, because especially from the front line, when people would send me stuff from overseas um, and they're on the front line fighting this war for our country, I would send each of them a CD player, um, a CD, you know, loose CDs, and he would personally sign them autographs. So when, even when we were at home, there was still a lot of work to be done. So um, it, it was tough, but because I traveled with him and we had people that I was the I was the final place. We had people that would intervene and handle any issues, and if it had to get to me, then, then obviously it was much bigger than we could, you know, that needed uh, more sure. assistance. But we had people. So there were times, yes, behind closed doors we could – we could just be husband and wife, but there was always, with 200 dates on the road and constant requests for things, it was difficult to, to separate it. Right, sure. But we, we um, real quick, real real quick, Greg Koss said hello. K-O-S-T, oh, Greg. Hi, Greg. He's in, he's in the chat room. He's in the chat room, right. He says oh, Aiden's going to be a little Lou. <laughs> he is. Have you seen some of the videos on my, web, on my Facebook? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Yes. You know what? He's a natural entertainer, like his dad, natural entertainer. Well, but here's the thing now that he does, because Penn's used to work as his microphone, and but now he'll come to me, and, and Lou used the same microphone for 40 years, and his name's engraved in it, and it's very special to me. What I get very nervous speaking in front of people, so I use it as my my microphone now because I feel like he's there <laughs> with me. But now Aiden will come to me and say, Mommy, I need Daddy's microphone. And I'll go, for what? Well, I have to sing. And I go, well, make a microphone. No, no, I need Daddy's microphone. Aww. And, yeah, so I go get Daddy's microphone, and he stands there, and he'll sing either his father's songs or the Temptations. or um, He's definitely an old soul, my child. So he's definitely his right. father. He's his father's That's child. Awesome. You know what, Nina? I'm going to play one of my favorites, one of my favorites right now, Call it's called the Southside Blues slash Tobacco Road. That's one of my favorites because you know what Lou never forgot where he came from. He like according you know like he lived. He's like he he didn't you know how people become a superstar just forget everything. Lou didn't. He loved everybody, and he sang about okay, where he comes where he came from. I'm going to interrupt you to tell you why. I'm right. going to interrupt you to tell you why, and this might be a surprise to a lot of your listeners. And it's always funny the reaction I get when I tell the story. 
Lou never wanted to be a singer. That was not his really? goal. Really? His goal, you know, he, he, he was raised by his grandmother in the south side of Chicago in the projects, only because she would have beaten him senseless if he didn't go to church every Sunday and sing. His <laughs> dream in life, and I have a lot of his sketchings, and he wanted to be an artist. That was his thing. Really? Uh, he did. He wanted to be, and, that's, and that'll come out in the movie and in the book, but he really wanted to be right. an artist. But when his grandmother passed, he was very young. He was 16. He was still singing in the choir. And he had no family members. He had no brothers or sisters. And so he continued to sing and became a part of the Pilgrim Travelers and the Solsters with Sam Cooke. He and Sam were best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and because he couldn't afford to go to college and he needed to raise them, you know, really make a living now, he became a performer. But that was never his dream. And it was to the day he died, he was still sketching. I had sketch pads and things. He just, he really wow. wanted to be an artist. And that's why I think he was so unfazed by who he was, because he would say, baby, it's just the way I chose to pay my bills. Because he had, but I thank God he didn't become an artist. And it saddens me, though, that <laughs> he, he didn't get to do it. But the world would have been really punished if had they not had he not become a singer. But because of those circumstances and economically and stuff, that he was, you know, he, he was found by Capitol Records and signed a record deal, and that's how he became a singer. He did not, that was his not his goal in life. Well, you know what? That I did not know. Okay, Nina, hold on a second. I'm going to go do this, and I'll be right back at you, okay? Okay. We're going to listen great. to, we're going to listen to the Southside Blues slash Tobacco Road. As soon as I was big enough to get a job, he saved me some money and buy me a ticket and catch the first thing smoking. I left. <laughs> and I made a promise that they could just keep the salt out of my mind. I keep my feet out of the limit. Because uh, my part of Chicago just as all cities have this particular residential area. In Detroit, they call it Black Bottom. In Cleveland, they call it Euclid Avenue, 55th, 105th, Central Avenue. In Philadelphia, they call it South Street. In New York City, they call it Harlem. Drop down below the cotton curtain called in Atlanta they call it buttermilk bottom. <laughs> but then you come out west, where it's the best. In San Francisco they call it the Fillmore District. In Los Angeles they used to call it what? They changed the name though. Hey, man. I speak about this place because I'm quite familiar with it. Everyone is in some sense or other. So it all boils down to the same thing, though. <laughs> I'm speaking about this place because, you see, now like in the wintertime when it's very, very cold, and it gets colder in Chicago than anywhere else on Earth. Because when it's around 10 above zero and it's about 12 inches of snow outside, and the hawk, I'm speaking of the almighty hawk, Mr. Wind. 
when he blows down the street around 35, 40 miles an hour, it's just like a giant razor blade blowing down the street. And all the clothes in the world can't help you. And when you lived in a place like I lived in, where everybody had a key to the front hall door, because it once was a flat, but then they cut it up into a kitchenette apartment. And you leave that front hall door open and the hawk get in there, boy, you'd be calling a bunch of dirty names before you can get in your room. <laughs> I speak about this as I said before because I know. In a dump, my mama died and my daddy got drunk. He left me here to die or go. In the middle of the back road I grew up in a rusty shack All I own was hanging on my back The Lord knows how I loathe this Faithful tobacco road But it's a home, yeah The only life I've ever known And the Lord knows I love tobacco road Oh, but I love you because you're 
Simply amazing. You're listening to G Radio New York City, and tonight we're doing a tribute to the great late Lou Ross, and I have on the line the great Mrs. Nina Ross. Nina, are you there? I am, thank you. What a great song that is, too. Really, there can't be a song out there that isn't just as amazing. Oh, no, I love that song. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you, Nina, now, like, Lose that that song. The songs that he sang, like uh, this one, Tobacco Road, uh, uh, Street Corner Hustle Blues. Now, if you listen to the lyrics of the song, you know, you know, what did he sing? That did everything about that song was it really about his dad left him? Is that well? No, his mama died and his dad's a drunk. Um. Well, let's say it's it's loosely based. No, his um his his mother, uh, Lou was abandoned by his parents when when he was born. As you know, times whatever the case. Um, right. I, I don't right. judge. It was whatever reason, and she he was raised by his grandmother. Um, she mm. was his life. He he lived. She really kept him, especially in the projects in Chicago. She was really able to keep her. Well, she was Cherokee Indian as well, so there, there was no messing with All her. All right. Um, <laughs> right. Kept him. And, so, and then when she passed, I think he just always felt some sort of abandonment, um, which is why I think he went through some of the struggles in his life. And that'll as it, difficult it is, is to do his movie. I think it'll people will understand a lot of what his struggles were that had him do some of the things that, he, you know, that he probably shouldn't have done. Um, so I think it was a lot of his songs came from pain or came from his actual life without actually putting it word for word. You know what I'm saying? Word for word or right. fact to right. fact. Right. It, was, it was always something that he felt that, because I remember sitting for hours, I would I would turn on a voice recorder, I'd ask him one question and let him go on for hours telling me about it. Anything from, you know, Nina, I could sing for the white folks, but I couldn't sit there, so we'd have to all meet out back and smoke cigarettes in the parking wow. lot. Wow. That just, and it would tear me up to think of this beautiful man who had so much to offer and was giving so much, um, 
you know, being anyone being treated that way. And that is why he right. the work he did eventually with the UNCF. He took his fame and he said, listen, I couldn't go to college. Um, I, I don't want to see any minority, whether they're African American, whether they're whatever minority it is, uh, right. not be able to get education because of funding. And that's when he started the Lou Rawls uh, Parade of Stars. So, you know, uh, and that happened every September. How long did that go on? That, that was every September, right, on Labor Day, correct? Well, no. We taped every September, and it aired every right. January. January, that's um, right, right, right. And so he did it for, uh, well, he was honored um, for the 25th. It went on 25, 20, uh, 28 years he did it. He created it. He started it. He, it was his, you know, his, his telephone. They changed the name of it a few years ago. It was 29 years that he did it himself um, before he passed and raised. Wow. 60, or I'm sorry, raised over 250 million dollars and put 66,000 kids to school. Yes. Wow, um, and, that this is, is this amazing. Stories that not a lot of people know, also, but it's typical Lou, typical Lou fashion. So he was very sick uh, at the end, and his daughter Kendra and I uh, were in in the room, and. It was the day before the telethon was airing on Jan. It was airing on January seventh, and so I, I said, "Babe, would you like me to call and have them messenger over a copy so that we can see it before it airs tomorrow?" And he said, "Sure." So they messengered over a copy, and I asked him if he wanted to watch it, and he said, "No, not right now. I'll watch it later." And Greg, he passed away at six oh six the next morning, the day it was going to air, and wow. I remember saying to Kendra, "That's." So like Lou to be like, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go the day before it airs so they can raise, because, of course, it was national news. It was on every station that he passed. And right. so everyone tuned in. And that year they raised more money than they had ever done previously. Um, because wow. I, had put out, I had put out a request that in lieu of flowers and stuff that they make a donation to the UNCF. So although he didn't see it, it aired the day after he passed, and it was, they raised, I think, fifteen million that day. Um, wow! But no, Nina, clue. I'm going to ask you a question that we, you know, I've talked about, and it still bothers me to this day. Well, it just boggles my mind about you knew or he knew that you, you know, you know, when he was really sick, that you know, everybody's like, oh, he's got a month, he has two weeks or whatever, but you knew that he wasn't going to last because. Wow, you're going to make me cry again. Um, yeah, you make, I'm sorry, you're making me cry because I know the story, but I want my listeners to know, you know, how uh, well, we, in tune we to him. Well, we kept private. He, he was diagnosed for a year, and, and, and I kept asking him, I kept saying, you know, I called him Dad. I'd say, Dad, why don't we put it out so you can see, you know, I don't need to see um, people's love and reaction to you when you're gone. Let them show you, and he, he wanted no one to know. He fulfilled his 200 dates that year as if nothing was wrong. And he was suffering from lung cancer that was that was spreading, but he did every show, didn't cancel a show. And then when he ultimately got the worst in early January, Kendra, his daughter, and I were sitting in the room. And, and now Lou would always say jokingly, um, if I couldn't sing, I, I wouldn't want to live. I wouldn't want to do anything. And this went on for years, and... And so we were in the hospital, and, and he was doing pretty well. And Kendra can confirm it was the day, it was, you know, they always say you have that one final burst of, sure. you know, uh, life before. And he had fed himself that day, and he was doing great. 
And so he looked at Kendra and I, and he said, would you mind turning off the TV and putting some music? And at this point, the doctors had said to us, you know, it's another week or two, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just manage his pain, another week or two. So Kendra and I turned off the TV, and we turned on the music, and and Lou tried I'm to sorry. sing, and it didn't come out. And I looked at Kendra, and I said, it will be tonight. And she shook her head, and the doctor said, no, 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 another week or two. And I said, it will be tonight. And sure enough, 6.06 that morning, he passed away. Oh, man. I'm sorry. If you knew Lou and you knew his love (laughs) for singing, the minute he tried to sing it and it didn't come out, it was it. We knew knew that was was the end. And the worst thing was Lou's mind was all still there, but his body was shutting down. So we spoke to him all night long, and we were calling everybody to say goodbye, and he was saying goodbye to everyone. So that was what was most hurtful, was that he was still so mentally there, but his body was shutting down. But Kendra and I knew the minute he tried that first note and it didn't come out, that 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 would be the night he would go. So it's tough. I'm sorry. Hold on a second, Nina. You're listening to G Radio New York City, and we're doing the tribute tonight to the great, Late Lou Rawls. Hold on. And I have on the phone his lovely wife, Nina Rawls. And we're talking about, we're celebrating his life like we do every day, I guess. So, Nina, sorry. I am going to put you on hold and play one of, again, one of my favorites called Love is a Hurting Thing. I Wait, before you do that, I have somebody who wants to say hello to you and your listeners. And, uh, okay. Hi, Mr. Greg. Hey, Aiden. How are you, man? Great. How are you? I am fabulous. I am fa- How was school today? Great. How, how, how are you? How is my I'm good. You know what? I wish I could be in school, Aiden, but no. Uh, so everything is good, man. I can't wait to see you again. I can't wait to see you. You're gonna, hey, Aiden, when I see you, you going to sing for me? Sure. Thank you. Um, okay. Thank you for having us on. Oh, sure, man. Anytime. Anytime. You know <laughs> what? Right. You well, are the rock he star. Is <laughs> he is a He's a rock star. Sassiness yes, and all. He is. So. <laughs> all right, hold so on, Nina. Hold on. Yeah, hold on, man.
Maybe I'm a fool to keep on loving you Well, there may come a time you'll break my heart in two But I want you so I want you though I know that Wow. I got to, you know what? I love that. I got to tell you a story. My mom is going to kill me. But I really, that song touches me more than anything I've ever listened to, Lou, because my mom and dad divorced when I was 13. And I remember my dad coming home, putting the song on, and the next thing you know, he divorced my mom. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Mom, I'm sorry if you're listening, but that song will always be dear and near to me. And I I got to tell you, I play it every day. It sounds kind of crazy, but I do, because I love the song. I love the song. The Lou, to that when song, he, though, there isn't anyone in the world that hasn't somehow been touched or affected by being hurt through love. So that song right. resonates with everyone at some to some degree or to some level. So, um yeah, I mean there are just I, some of these songs I feel it. that it just it, they it everyone can relate to it in some way. So excellent song choice. So tell me, uh, give me a little tell the tell my listeners a little bit about what's coming up besides our movie. We'll get to the movie towards the end, but tell them what do you have in store with you and uh, Kenny Gamble if you want. I mean, you know, sure, I'd love to. <laughs> tell me what you got planned. Year, well, let me tell you, this year I've been on a war path for the last couple of years because Lou Rawls should have been inducted in the Hall of Fame a long time ago. Um, listen, I love The Temptations. I, there are so many artists that I love, but Lou, there there are some that Lou should have certainly surpassed into getting in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff, who are two of the greatest songwriters, you think of any Motown song, um, any Patti LaBelle song, Teddy Pendergrass, the OJs, Carl Melvin and the Blue Notes stuff. Now, yep. absolutely. So the Sound of Philly, Philly International, Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff were inducted into the Rock Hall of Fame last year um, mm-hmm. for the writing. And so Kenny's my partner. He wrote most of Lou's songs. And since I, I own his name, Image, and Estate, uh, we really Yay! have to work together. Yeah, yay. To... Um, <laughs> We really have to work together to get things out. So we are first and foremost on a mission to get Lou inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's due. It's long overdue, and um, and it's it should be bestowed on him. He had you know 82 albums, more than any other artist has ever done. The only yeah. artist to ever cross over all genres of music, and 12 not, uh, Grammy nominations and four Grammy wins. It, uh, he's entitled to it. He he definitely deserves it. Oh, so that's our first it, thing. It was, it's, a long time coming, though. He should have been there a long time ago, I think. I wish they would honor them when they're alive. Um, because right. too often they wait until they're gone to honor them. And it's it's sad that they don't get to see the effect. I mean, there are some certainly who are alive when it happens, but there are some that are not. And it was, it's. I think they should better put it together and, and really appreciate someone who's been in the business for 50 years and sold you know, 45 million records, and not only that, but his humanitarian works were, you know, endless. 
Um, So that's our first thing. We are also in the process. We had an album that we had shelved, recorded and shelved, and um, 15 never heard of Lou Rawls songs before. Uh, We are getting ready to release that. Yes, we're really excited. So we're in the process of releasing that this year. Um, And, uh, wait, I know there's more. Let's see. The movie that we're we're getting ready to do is... Right, what you and I do. That's true. That's um, well, Nina, tell everybody how to, you know, get, you know, like you got the website and, you know, if people want to make donations to all the causes that you are still got in the forefront that Lou believed in. Very much so. We continue every day to work to help um, in any way that we can. That's that's sort of our, our, motive, uh, our um, motto is that we help someone every day on some level. So... People can go, here's one thing that I really encourage people. There's a two-disc CD that Luke um, recorded, and we sold them strictly at live performances. It's a two-disc CD of his greatest hits. And I promised him I would never release it in stores. Never, It can never be released, but it can be purchased. Often what I do is I, I donate them to fundraisers, but it can be purchased on our website only through me. Um, mm-hmm. If you go to the website and go to shop, you can see the, the CDs. It's a two-disc collection. Um, and tell them the website. The tell them the website. On the website, under shop, and it'll you can see the front and back of both CDs. You'll see the songs on it. Two of his uh, never released in stores, and they never will be. So if you get them, you're really lucky because um, it'll never be released in stores, and it's something that can only be purchased through our estate. So... That's something I encourage people to do because it's an amazing two-disc collection. Um, and then, you know, it, uh, with the donations, we've sort of stopped on the foundation right now because economically people are struggling and we, you know, it, it, it takes a lot to do that. But what we do is we, we personally help individuals that email me that are really in need. And, and if somebody's going to lose out on their college degree because of one semester and they're not able to afford it, we will step in and assist them. Um, wow, that's amazing. We don't want amazing. anybody to lose out. How awful to go through, you know, three and a half years and then because of the economic times not be able to graduate because of your last semester, we will help you with that. We we will help. We help as much as we can in, in every in well, you every know what? You, you have, you wear a lot of hats. I know that for sure. And I, it's unbelievable knowing you, Nina. The many hats that, guys, I got to tell you, listen, listen. I know this woman, and everybody's pulling at her. Everybody wants something from her, but you know what? She's always maintained cool. That amazes me. Well, one, because Lou is so cool. Look, I'm Lebanese, so there's a little fire in me. Um, <laughs> oh, no, there's a lot of fire. Don't get it twisted. There's a lot. <laughs> well, well, there used to be more, but Lou had, and, I, I, and I, I'm surprised he lived as long as he did because I should have killed him with, because if I heard the two lines one more time, Lou was very, he didn't say much, but when he did, he was hysterical. And he always had these, he was very smooth. And I would always say to him, if you pick up the pace, it's not going to make you less cool. Let's go, you know, move it, speed it up. And, <laughs> but he would always say, baby, no need to create stomach acid over it. So I could be like, the house is on fire, the kids are all in jail, you know, we're broke. And he'd go, no need to create stomach acid over it. And I'd think, Really? Um, and then his other line that he always said was, well, what do you want to do about it? So he just, he kind of just breezed through. Like, he wasn't going to let anything upset him. 
Um, right. And so he sort of brought that. I sort of adopted that. And because of And you do that really well. You do it extremely well. Listeners, trust me. I know this woman. And don't get it twisted. She will. Don't. She don't. If you don't, she's always calm, but don't take her there because she'll go there. <laughs> well, you know, I have to sadly being a younger, you know, younger female in the industry um, and taking on managing a legend, you know, people want to just, they want to just test those waters and see if they could pull it over on me. But uh, trust, when I go into a deal, I know exactly what I'm doing. So it may look like, you know, she's young, she's not, please, be ready. I'm, I, I mean, I know the business inside and out. When you take on a legend as your first, um, your first client, then lessons, right? Um, but yeah, right. so he, uh, so he instilled some of that coolness in me, and and even more so, we try so hard never to hurt his legacy or reputation. So everything we do, we're very calculated, we're very cautious, never to hurt the work that he did. So right. his passion was getting kids in college. We continue to do that. We assist people as much as we can. Um, so that they don't lose their education because of our economic times, and we, and we do the best that we can. We continue his legacy the best that we can. Okay. Nina, hold on a second. I'll play another great song called The Shadow of Your Smile. And I'll be, hold on, Nina, I'll be right back okay. to you. Guys, this is The Shadow of Your Smile. The motion picture, the sandpiper, the song. The shadow of your smile When you Will color all my dreams and light the dawn. Look into my oh my love and. That you are, you are to me. I will whisper it to the stars. It was a way to hide. A teardrop kissed your lips and sold it. Shadow of your smile 
that you are to me. Our whistle lips are far too high. A teardrop is just little, and so did I. You know I will be remembering the shadow of your smile when you are gone. Are you there, Come on, are you kidding me? <laughs> Bad boy, let me tell you. Oh my goodness, that was. I, you know what? I'm never speechless, but. <laughs> well, I, you know, while you're while you're speechless for a moment, I want to say because we, you know, you're in New York and this is airing, you know. Um, I want to say a, a quick shout out to my my friend Don Phillips who. Um, is listening in from Akron and loves Lou has, and, and tunes into any station that I'm on, uh, especially his favorite uh, radio station out here. I won't name it, but uh, he's listening tonight, <laughs> and uh, and I appreciate it so much. You know, people are so so gracious, so kind when they know. Um, and, and the stories you never hear a bad story about Lou. Um, but what's right. funny to me is when people stop me and go, "I met." Lou, in 1977 in an, air, uh, in an elevator in Vegas. Do you remember? And I go, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but it's always funny to hear people's stories of, I met him in 1963 in, in you know, Boston, and, and I just love it. It's such a great, just a great way to remember and, and hear the story. I got the chat room open and everybody, you know, says, you know, they give you their love and thank you for sharing your husband. I mean, Aww. you know, I mean, I'm a, I love my fans. I love everybody that listens to me, but I, tonight's going to be a record. Because record. I'm like, Thanks. I'm looking in the chat room and I'm looking at the emails and I'm getting texts and I tell people, don't text me when I'm on the air. But I'm getting texts text like, Nina is amazing. She, she's on a mission. And you thank know what? You, you are. Thank you. You Listen, are on you know a what? mission. I want to say thank you because I, I get what Lou meant. I get what he said when if the fans stop calling, you know. It, but even more than that, when somebody's been gone, it's January was five years, and there's not a day that goes by that somebody or, you know, doesn't send me an email or uh, I meet people. And so I want to thank everybody out there because truly one 
what it does for my family, my daughter Kendra, my son, my grandchildren, um, to hear these stories of their father and that people are still so interested in him and, the, and just the impact he had on people's lives. I thank you guys. I thank every single one of you who continue to buy his songs, who continue to be interested in, in hearing what we have to say. And so my love to all of them and every one of you out there, and I mean that with my whole heart. And, Greg, you know me. I mean, I... Yes, I do, right. Because it, it was, it's very difficult to, to be in, in the legacy or in the shadow or be the wife of, of such a legend that sometimes people may not wish you well or they may ha- harbor, you know. But we get such an enormous amount of love from, from Lou's fans, and I thank every single one of you who buy a record or give us a, a, you know, send us a great email. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we will continue to put out the best product we can with new songs of his, with, you know, his stories, his book. We will give you, as long as you're interested, we will continue to give you what you want. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Now, Nina, let me ask you this. If, you know, who was, who was one of Lou Ross's favorite, like, musicians that he liked or he listened to? Really, he didn't listen to anyone, sadly. We we were on tour 200 days a year, so we, between airports and, you know, we would do three cities and two nights and three nights, and so he didn't really get an opportunity, but he, of course, Duke Ellington when he sang, you know, when um, he, uh, Aretha and he were very close, they would constantly do duets on, on the road together. Um, so, but I will tell you a funny story. His telethon every year would bring on some of the best new acts. You know, everyone's been on it, from Michael Jackson, Stevie's on every year, Madonna, everyone's been on. But as Lou got a little older, he wasn't really familiar with a lot of the younger acts that would be coming on. And so I would say to him every time, check with me before you speak, because we don't want you to, you know, don't just check with me. And so we're, we're rehearsing for the telethon a few years ago, and uh, we were leaving the hotel, and security's walking us through. And at the elevator, this young man, whom I immediately recognized as Kem, starts oh. performing on the show, and he immediately shakes Lou's hand, and he said, oh, my God, Mr. Rawls, you are such an inspiration to me. I love you. And uh, Lou didn't really know how to be very tactful <laughs> or very, with a lot of coos, and he goes, oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, you know, who are you here with? And he goes, well, myself. And Lou goes, well, who are you? And I thought, oh, God, didn't I tell you to check with me? And he was constantly making these errors. And I go, that is Kem. He's one of the greatest, you know, out there right now. What is wrong with you? So he just never, just never really got the gist. He, well, of, he was doing his thing, man. He was doing I, his thing. I, People are you know, coming on your telethon to help raise money for you know for your and, and the, Lou goes well who are you with and he goes me and I, and he goes well who are you and I thought oh god here we go so but you know what every every Lou paved the way for today's want to be rock stars Lou paved the way for people like him you know yeah but also Lou remember Greg the- that a lot of people don't I think attribute he was really one of the the first rappers. Remember, he was monologuing Absolutely. way back before rap became, you know, and he is credited with it. I give him that. People do credit him, and a lot of, you know, P. Diddy, and a lot of people have really credited him with being the first real rap artist because he would monologue, as you see, Tobacco Road or Dead End Street. So, um, 
there's a lot that Lou brought, and I'm always honored when people say, you know, he was, he, I grew up listening to him. He was, he inspired me to do so much. So Lou, Lou really did break safe ways and break a lot of barriers for people. He did. And you know what? On that note, Nina, I'm going to put you on hold, but I'm going to play one of his, I mean, the songs, the street corner hustler blues. Oh my God. It was one of the most amazing songs where he, the monologue, the rap, it was unbelievable that he was talking to the audience. So, yeah. you know, hold on a second. I'll be right back at you. Thank you very much. We'd like to sort of change things up just a little bit for you here. Now here's a song. It's about a young man that is uh, widely known throughout the world, <laughs> especially in my ex-hometown, where I used to live. This young man is a very popular young man. And he was standing on a very well-known corner on the south side of uh, my hometown, Chicago. This young man was standing on the corner of 47th and South Parkway, northeast corner. Now there stands a building that houses the Walgreens drugstore. A few other little miscellaneous shops here and there. That's a commercial. Uh, and every Friday evening, as the people would pass there, they couldn't help but notice this young man. Every Friday, around 4.30, this young man would be seen standing on the corner of 47th and South Parkway, in front of Walgreens. The young man was standing there because his girlfriend worked at Walgreens. And as you all know, Friday, the eagle flies. This young man was standing there, and the people passed him. As always, they couldn't help but notice him because he was wearing the very popular silk mohair Woolworths continental to the bone $250 hustler suit fresh out the pawn shop he would also be wearing a pair of highly shined alligator hustler shoes with a very popular white on white tab collar shirt very thin silk hustler's necktie tied around his neck very large artificial diamond stick pin in place now as they noticed even closer to this young man they couldn't help but notice around the side of his hat that he was heavily caulked to the bone he was quite patent leatherish about the hair they call it the hustler's hairdo a process Many fleets, a lot of creases, and all that greasy kid stuff. <laughs> Sitting pressed upon this very lightly so as not to mess up his hairdo was his very stingy brimmed hustler's hat. His hustler's shades on, cigarette in hand, very broad smile on his face. As you looked around to see what this young man was staring at so hard and why he was so elated at what he saw, you couldn't help but notice his automobile parked at the curb. His automobile, white on white in white. <laughs> the hustlers call him hogs. The trade name is Cadillac. That was also a show along the finance company. Can't find out where he keeps it parked at night. <laughs> All of a sudden, this young man knows people passing him or glancing over their shoulders as they walk down the street. There was some great commotion coming down the street behind them. So he thought he would take a peek and see for himself what all this commotion was. This is what he saw when he looked down the street. With pin curlers and rollers in our hair, head rag tied very tight, very large raised on the left hand, big butcher knife in the right hand, house coat, house shoes, his wife. And she was stepping fast, 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 coming after him, calling him all sorts of dirty names and other things that I can't mention up here. They'll close the place. He made a break for his automobile before he get in the car and get the motor started. She was there, cut him top, kicking dents in the door. You jive, Marilyn Farmer, out here jiving around the rent ain't paid the baby's home and eat you. And you had to call yourself pimping and hustling and can on and all them other good things. He jumped out the car and threw the keys over to him and said, baby, listen, you can have this car and anything else you want. Just don't cut my new suit. I just got out of the pawn shop and I got to have my front so I can keep on making my game. <laughs> As he turned to walk away, the young man bowed his head slightly. 
He lifted his stitch to bring from his patent leather do and shook it lightly. He wouldn't shake it too hard, you see, because when you wear a process, you have to go to the barbershop every day and get a comb out, and that costs $2. And he hadn't got his money from the lady yet. He began to mumble something as he walked down the street. As you listen closely, you heard the young man saying these words. You could tell he was really troubled. He was saying these words in this, in this manner. He was saying, ah, in a world of trouble, I don't know what to do. I'm supposed to be one woman's man, but I am in love with you. What is my treasure? And what is my treat? They are both such a pleasure Cause they're both so sweet I can't put either of them down That's why I'm slipping around Cause I'm living double I'm in a world of trouble Yes, it's a world of trouble That I inhabit now Cause I've got one more woman Than the legal over Judges would jail me And preachers would shout Bad talk would nail me If the truth got out Polite society would frown They would claim that I'm just a clown Living double In a world of trouble Well now, I do not dare reveal This need that I deeply feel Cause the Proper friends, it would scare them. Don't you know they would shock it up to greed? Oh, but what I Yes, I am. 
Kendra, this Hello, is Kendra Ross in the house. <laughs> oh, my beautiful daughter, how are you? I am getting better, thank you. <laughs> well, listen, you and I will talk off the air, but if you don't call your mother, we're going to have some big issues, you understand? <laughs> so, Kendra. Scratching my so, dandruff, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, everybody, I got... Lou Ross is oldest daughter, Kendra Ross Smith. So, Kendra, say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. How is <laughs> everybody? I hope the world is treating you well. <laughs> so, Kendra, you know I have to ask you questions, right? You, you know what? Nina, hop in here, help her out, do whatever. So, tell us, tell my listeners, what was it like being the daughter of the great Lou Ross? Well, what being the daughter of the great Rudolph, my well, first of all, being the daughter of the great Rudolph, number one, he was my dad. It felt like what most folks would feel like as being their father. But as far as him being the musician and the entertainer part, it was awesome. It was awesome. I got to see him do things that I don't think anybody else would ever have a chance to do. Hmm. That's good. Great. Hey, what is your, what is some, you know, hop in there, Nina. Um, you know, Nina and Kendra are like, you know, best buds. They're, they're, they're it, you know. They're amazing together. So, you know, they got an amazing relationship. Nina, help me out here. I mean, I don't even well, know what to say. I got, let I, me tell you how this – let me tell you why Kendra is – when I say embedded in my soul, um, you know, being Lebanese to begin with, I'm very family-oriented, and, and I was very adamant about Lou having a relationship with his children. And um, Kendra, however, where most daughters, especially if they're older than me, would would be a little leery, would be wondering why, you know. But Kendra said from day one, you know what, I'm going to give her a shot. And Kendra Kendra has her own issues, and she's free to tell her stories if she'd like. I, I will not do that. But so she she knew she was not a judgmental person, and so she said, I'm going to give give her a shot, and I'm going to, until she gives me a reason not to like her, I'm giving her a shot. And Kendra and I became very close because there was always, she could ask me any question, whether it would hurt my feelings or not, and I would answer her truthfully. And she knew that. And um, then she came to my our home one day, and I remember her just staring at us, and I remember saying, Lou, you have to take the trash out. And Kendra almost fell over my railing. I have a 25-foot ceiling in my house in Ohio, and she almost <laughs> fell over the railing, and she said, I have never seen my father take the trash out. Um, and so she saw the love and she saw the dynamic Lou and I had. And she embraced it and she said, my dad loves you and you love my dad and so I love you. So we became very close. And when Lou got sick, Kendra took a lot of time off of work and came to our home in Ohio and helped me drive him back and forth for his treatments. So they they built a relationship that they had not yet been able to build on such a personal level. So Kendra is, if she wants to tell you the story of what her last, her father's last words to her were about me, and, and that's her story to tell, but um, she and she loves her brother so much. The only time yes, I want to talk Kendra. Oh, she <laughs> loves, and it's funny because we're sort of like a Bad Jerry Springer episode. You know, I... Kendra's older than me, but I'm her mother, and she calls me mom, which sometimes I could choke her because we'll be in the middle of a store, and she'll yell, mom, and I'll think, no, you didn't. 
Um, <laughs> but Kendra gave Lou four grandchildren, which makes me, in my 40s, a grandmother of four. And now I, too, am a great-grandmother because of my grandchildren. But Kendra's wow. baby brother, what? our son, Lou, and my son, is six years old. So, But she'll have no problem running him around and telling everybody it's her brother. So there's such a love and such a connection that I will uh, forever Before Kendra, before, before you tell the story, guys, anybody, all you guys are friends on my Facebook. Well, I don't know if you can see my friend list. Kendra's profile picture is of her and Aiden. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, Kendra, she's you're on. It's your she's turn. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my butt. That's my buddy. And if anybody messes with him, they got to come through me. But anyway, um, you, isn't that something? <laughs> isn't that something? <laughs> Imagine <Right>. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, actually, actually, uh, Greg, it's a sentimental thing that's involved here because. I didn't understand what was going on with this whole situation. I was getting talked in one ear. Like, for instance, you know, they say you got one person talking on the left side and another person talking on the right side. So here I am standing in the middle not to know what, to, how to balance this thing out. So the one day I did finally talk to Nina, and I said, Nina, I said, you know what? What goes on between you and Dad is what's happening with you and Dad. You guys are grown. You guys are adults. Okay? I said, but the only thing that I desire... Just, just don't deny me the right to talk to my dad. That's it. And I never had that problem with that situation. She could call me at any given hour and could say, Kendra, I need you to go do this. I need you to go handle this. And I will get up out of my bed, storming in the rain, don't know if it's going to sleep in hell, snow, don't know what it's going to be, and I'm there. It's no problem. But the thing that dad asked me to do, when he was when he passed away, he said, "Baby, come here." I said, "Yes." And he says, "Do me a favor." He said, "And promise me this." And I said, "What is it, Dad?" He said, "Promise me you will never leave her side." And I wow. said, "I." I said, "You got that promise." I said, "Now, Dad, you're tired. Go ahead and go to sleep." And that's wow. the way I left. And wow. that's the way I left. And I never left her side, and I won't leave her side. Now, there may be times and it may be months that we may not speak with one another, but that doesn't change the love that we have for one another. Right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's incredibly touching. She, you know, Kendra came to me one time and said, thank you. Thank you for giving me a relationship with my father that I, I've not had because, you know, he traveled a lot and he – but I was so insistent, and I, I saw it in her that she wanted her father. And so, you know, Kendra was always in our home. Okay, I will tell this story. I, our son was born, and he had his little, you know, umbilical cord still. And I'm, you know, a new mom, and I'm thrilled, and I can't wait until it comes off, and I'm going to save it. And, I'm, and so we were home in Arizona, and the one time I let Kendra change his diaper, um, I go in to change him the next time, and I start screaming. I'm like, oh, it's gone. Let's look for it. And Kendra goes, oh, that thing? I threw it away in the last diaper. And I thought, I'm going to kill you. So she she was like, I've had four kids. It was no big deal. So she just, she goes, oh, yeah, that's in the trash. I threw that away. And I thought, I'm going to kill her. But we have such a love for each other. And her love for her brother is, it's almost as if uh, that there was, there's not this, 
couple of year age difference between them because there's not that much age difference, is it? <laughs> not, not much, you know. Jerry Springer, not much. Um, but Aiden is two seven, okay? You <laughs> want I'm still the biggest. Yeah, Kendra is a child. Hey guys, and even hold on a second. Hey, listen up, guys. Hold on. You're listening to G-Radio, New York City, and I'm your host, Greg Laster. We're doing a tribute to the great, late Lou Ross, and I have in the studio, so to speak, his wife, Nina Ross, and his oldest daughter, Kendra Ross. And I'm going to put you guys on hold. I want to play one. I mean, I still, I guess it's, you know what, I'm trying not to make it about me, but I love his music. I'm going to put you guys on hold and play St. James Infirmary. Don't go anywhere, guys. Hold on. I have to say this loving about your show tonight is you're playing yeah. songs that aren't traditionally what everybody hears or that even know Lou have done. Most people do You'll Never Find and Lady Love. You're doing songs that I'm sure people are going, oh, right. I didn't know he did that song. So I appreciate exactly. that. Thank you for that. Hey, no problem. Hold on, guys. Hold on one second. Hold on. I feel so blue And I feel heartbroken What am I living for? My baby, she went away And she left me No Come back. No, Oh, 
I know we got. We have to do it, the movie. We don't want to give it up. Right. We don't. I mean, because listen. Okay, I will say this. You know, and these are the hard parts for me, and that's why I struggle very much with putting out. And, and Kendra and I have discussed this many, many times, because, it, which is sad in this industry. But Lou hadn't been gone a week when people were approaching me about movies and things, and I was literally comatose. I, I, I didn't get out of bed for eight months, so. I, I didn't understand, and I, I always swore we would never do a movie. But you sort of start hearing that people are going to, because I, I told the kids when he was gone, I told all of them, Lou Jr., Kendra, and, and the baby, I said, listen, what we dealt with as his family is, for, is our personal, that's what we dealt with as family. The world knows right. him as an amazing humanitarian and performer. He's gone. There's no reason to hurt his image. He worked very hard at... So what we went through, yes, it wasn't always roses and, and lovely rainbows, but we were, you know, that's for us to to, to keep. Well, when you start and, hearing and that, like, and that must be really hard too, because you know, you and I talked about that. Now, and you and I talked to Nina when we tell his story. You know, we had we had gone back and forth, you and I, and, and Kendra. We gone back and forth. Do we do the story? Do we do the documentary? And that is hard for. You know, the family, because when you do a documentary to tell the story, you got to tell the, as well as you tell the good, you got to tell the bad. And that's what we and agree on. If we hard, were to do this, right. we had me, to tell the story. A lot of the hard part is going to come in. With, as right. far as myself is concerned, that's where a lot of the hard part is going to come in because it's too, um, it's touch and go. And some people can look at it as a catch-22, but I look at it as a healing process for myself. And not only that, but we decided as a family that as painful as it will be, because, you know, people will sit in movie theaters and think, wow, this is an amazing story, and who knew, and no one knew this about Lou. But we'll look at that and go, that is my husband, that is her father, that is my son's father. But we knew if we were going to do it, because you start hearing stories of people wanting to put out unauthorized biographies and so forth. So finally I had to come to terms after five years that we, we need to put out the actual, you know, autobiography. Sure. And right. in order right. to do that, though, we weren't going to lie to his fans. And so what's difficult for us is that we'll, Lou had skeletons just like everyone else. Um, we concealed them. We hid them. Um, it wasn't always perfect. But when it comes out, people, if it helps one person understand, if it helps, a hundred people understand or get them out of situations, then we've done our job. But we cannot go in and lie. What we're not going to do, though, we're not going to focus on specific things. They also need to understand that despite the fact of him being in the entertainment world and he was a world-renowned man, he was still a human man. A human being. And that's with a lot. And so for us to tell the story, but what we're not going to do, is we'll touch on certain subjects, whether it be, right. you know, some of the physical abuse, but we're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on the right. great man and what he learned from his mistakes and whether it was the drug use or whether. And so it's incredibly difficult for us, but if we're going to do it, we have to be fair to his fans. Um, right. Because ultimately at the end, at the end of the movie, no matter what they see that was awful or that they perceive as terrible, or, oh, my God, I didn't know that about Lou, and, they're ultimately at the end going to see that he was still that great humanitarian that raised all that money for those kids to go to school, that right. he loved his fans, 
And what we dealt with as family, that was our cross to bear. So although I did not and I fought for five years about not doing it, it's more important, Kendra and I decided, and and Lou Jr., that we either had to tell it right before somebody told it incorrectly and it can't be rectified. That's Um, true. That's true. And and now you know what? And and when Nina came to me, you know, wanted me to direct it, and I had to sit down and ask Nina, I said, Nina, you know, you know, the hardest part, you know, the hardest part about telling anybody's story is, is one, it's re, it's reliving what happened, good or bad. Well, but, you know, the bad. But if you're going to tell a story about a great person, you have to tell the whole story. And that's hard because once it's out there, you can't take it back. You can't take it back at all. And that's you know, why we have and, to make sure. That's why we want to make sure. And listen, Greg, he's not unlike any other human being. And he would tell no. people, "I put my, you know, I. It's just the way I chose to pay bills." And we, as a society, put people, celebrities, on such this this grand pedestal that we cannot possibly fulfill or please every single person in the world. And so that's you true. take your lashes, you take the love. But the only thing you can do is try to humanize an individual. And whether it was, you know, physical abuse that I endured, listen, I told, I've never denied it in the media in any interview. My marriage wasn't perfect, but it was my marriage. And I loved my husband. And if any couple in the world can, I would defy any of them to tell me they haven't had issues in their marriage. And so, you know, when we tell the story, it's just going to show people that this man who was abandoned very young, Lost, was on his own at 16, and may have gone through a lot of struggles, but still found it in his heart to care about kids enough to want to raise that kind of money to start his own telethon um, and to do this. And so ultimately in the end, he did learn from his mistakes. And ultimately in the end, sure. he's still the amazing man that he was. Um, so that's that's the best we can do with his story is to tell it and hopefully people will understand that it was it was at a time when, like he said, he could perform for the white folk. He couldn't sit with them. It was a time when drugs ran rampant, when a young 16-year-old, you know, black man from the projects was given lots of money. So, you know, there were a lot of things that were that were happening. But you grow. But you know, and but you know what was amazing about that is that, you know, he made he made himself who he was, who became a legend. And he went through the trials and tribulation of becoming that legend and still remained a person. So that was amazing. I think that anybody could see, anybody with any kind of common sense would see no one gave Lou Ross anything. Everything Lou Ross got was because of him. And as the youngsters would say, he kept it really real. You know, like you said, Nina. You and Nina, Nina said this. He goes, you know what? He didn't focus on – he wanted to sing. He wanted to do this. He didn't care about, the, you know, the, the, the fame. He just wanted to sing, pay his bills. It was something that he loved. Family. That's what he loved to do. Right. And that's what he so would say what, when, when I, you know, when finances were, weren't what he thought they were and we were realizing people were embezzling, and I'd say, what? And he'd go, baby, all I wanted to do was sing. As long as the bills were paid, I didn't pay attention. And I would think, but that happens so often in Hollywood than not, and it's difficult. People, and I and I 
I speak around the country and I give lectures and I try to make people understand. Are there benefits? Absolutely. Do I wait for a table? Right. Do we, no. But are there downsides to this? Absolutely. Um, people think they know you when they don't. People want to judge you when they can't. Um, and so it's not as glamorous, and especially when you're dealing with someone's demons and you have yes people around them all the time. That's why I sympathize with Britney Spears. I sympathize with these young people who have no one tells them no. They don't have a clue. They really don't have a clue. Right. And, and it, I'll tell you that this, this was the funniest for me. Yes, Lou could sing a love ballad like no other. And we were arguing one morning because, uh, whatever, whatever the argument was. Right. And right. I, um, our publicist called, and one of the main magazines, I think it was People Magazine or something, it was around Valentine's Day, wanted to do an interview with him on romance. Now listen, my husband was the most <laughs> delicious person in the world. He had the least romantic there wasn't a bone in his body that was romantic. He knew nothing, and Kendra will verify, nothing of romance. And so I was angry. I was already angry with him, and I said, you, you're the person they're calling to get romance advice. You who, and then I, of course, I said, be who sings can't, because he just, he didn't have a romantic bone in his body, but people perceived him because he sang those songs as this man who would just, lavished you with romance and love and it was always funny to me that they put him on a pedestal that was just you cannot make everyone happy there so right right but you know what he uh he you know as you guys know in the industry it's a short-lived kind of thing you know you're only as good as the last hit you put out but lou Rawls, right. he came in the industry where there were no african-americans very few. I'm sorry. Like you said, Nina, he couldn't play the white clubs. He had to go in the back way. But he crossed over, and everybody loved him. You know, for for instance, uh, Frank Sinatra did It Was a Very Good Year. But Lou Rawls came back, redid it, and did it better than Frank Sinatra. And Frank Sinatra came to one of Lou's shows and is quoted as saying, Right. Lou has the silkiest chops in the business. And right. I will tell I you this, Greg. We sold out every, we would do 200 days a year, and we sold out every venue. 90% wow. of the audience was white. Wow. So wow. he was loved by everyone. Um, From all walks in Bermuda, of life. Yeah. 90% uh, of our crowds on sellout shows were, were white, you know, you know. Caucasian, he was, he crossed over and everyone loved him. So what we dealt with as family, we did because we are family. But the world knew him as, so the story we're going to tell is the truth, but it's not going to focus on the bad. It's still going to focus right, on right. what he came out of and what he ultimately became. So well, I I feel like the bottom line of the whole thing, despite the fact of whatever comes out with the movie, they're going to say, but, hey, that still was the man. I don't care what nobody right. says. You know what? It is. You know what? Like you said, there's no one that can say his public, his fans, can't say a bad thing about it because, you know what? He was there for him. Always. Right. I'm reading your chat right now, and Criminal Heart, <laughs> along with uh, um, Greeny, I think, here, uh, is saying – 
Um, show me someone who says they have a perfect life, and I'll show you a big liar. A big liar, and, right, um, right, right. You know, and, and she and wrote she was human and made big mistakes, as we all do. So I'm glad that there are people who re- recognize that these are just human beings, and, yes, they are celebrities, but we as a society need to stop making them as if God just created celebrities to be perfection and Perfect. everyday right. people. Right, and and we can't win. We can't win no matter what we do. So. Um, Lou was Lou was amazing. Yes, his demons were his demons, but when he got on that stage, he made sure everyone felt it. And so our story is incredibly difficult for my family and I, Kendra and my son. And but it will be the truth, and it will ultimately show why he what he became what he became. So that's the best we can say. Okay, guys, on that note, I'm going to play something that everybody knows, Lady Love. You're listening to G Radio, New York City. And today, and I'm your host, Greg Lasser, we have a tribute to the great, late Lou Ross. In the studio, I have Kendra, his daughter, and his lovely wife, uh, Nina. You guys, hold on a second. I'm going to play this. Thank you. Lady love. Your love is peaceful like a summer breeze. My lady love, with love that's tender as a baby's touch, you give me all of the things that I need so much. You're my world, lady love.
So you have spent the evening with me and his lovely wife, Nina Ross, and his fabulous daughter, Kendra. You guys there? We're here. Kendra, you still eating chicken? <laughs> no, I finished it. <laughs> Kendra, oh, okay. Kendra makes the best world. She, she cannot walk into this home until she stops at the store first, gets the chicken, because she knows she has to fry up some chicken here before she goes. She makes the best chicken ever. You know what's you know what's really funny, guys. I want to say this. You Nina Nina leads you to me to to meet Nina. You know she's superstar. Meet Kendra, superstar, superstar. But they're really wonderful people. They do normal people things, if I may. You know what I mean? Well, listen. You know, first of all, again, everyone's the same, and and Lou. That's one of the things I fell in love with about him is that he never acted like he was something better. The words, don't you know who I am, would never come out of his mouth. And But, you know, for us, we sort of inherited the fame by default. And, yes, we carry on his legacy. And, yes, we and, – and, again, the perks are there, but the downside's also still there. So, you know, we're no – we don't walk around acting like we're anything more than we are. We inherited it by default, by marriage, by, by blood. And – the best we can do is continue what the great, great works that he did and do it with the elegance and the grace that he did it. And so, you know, thank you for saying that. But really, Kendra Kendra will tell you when she makes fun of me and she'll go, you're just so ghetto, Mom. And I, and it cracks me up because we, you know, it's just we, we're, we're humans and, and we lived with an extraordinary man, um, but he too was just human. So, um Thank you. Thank you to everybody for understanding. I'm, I'm reading the posts, and everyone's agreeing that, you know, they're just human beings. Rita, I got. I see that you're listening in from Akron as well. Thank you so much. And, um, yeah, thank you all. Kendra, you, Kendra you're, in, you're in California, correct? Yes, I'm in California. I'll be back in Georgia next week. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just wanted to say this one thing. Just to tell you how normal of a life that I live, if you go, if you – on my Facebook page, and you look through some of my pictures, and you see the picture of me and my dad there, read some of the comments there. They said, oh, my gosh, I went to school with you all the way from elementary school to high school, and I never knew that was your dad. You know? Wow. <laughs> wow, I didn't go that's out humble. And I didn't, yeah, I didn't produce myself. I mean, you know, I didn't project myself to be better than anybody else. I'm just like everybody else. And I told everyone, those that ask the question, I would say, well, just look at it like this. Your dad may be a construction worker. My dad was an entertainer, but they both worked and made money. He just made his in right. a different way. <laughs> That's it. So it doesn't make my father no greater than your father. Right. Wow. That's, That's pretty. That's, you know what? That's pretty humble. 
I can tell you, I'm not that humble now. And I'm, and no, I'm a you're not, which my is funny mind. because. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? You have that personality. Lou didn't say much, but I'm telling you when he did, he was funny. Your personality is you. It's what you do. It's how you right. get people to right. act or come into something. And, you know, it's every person, that's what I love about everybody, and that's why I judge no one because, no one knows what went on in anyone's life to make them what they are or what what makes them do right. what they do. And so accepting people for for who they are and just understanding that we'll never know what anyone went through in their lifetime to make them right. who or what they are. And so, we, you know, look, I didn't tell you who I was until, you know, you, right. you mentioned right. who right. I was. Right. very... And then, and I know that was amazing because I would have said it right off. You know who I am? I still say it. <laughs> You're so funny. I still no, say you it. wouldn't. You try to act like that. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> hey, I don't even hey. give out business cards anymore. I say Google me. Oh, no. <laughs> has me laughing every time I read a post. I'm like, oh my gosh, he didn't do. This. <laughs> you guys know me. You know, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not me. It's the fans. It's my friends that have issues. No, you have issues. Okay, listen. The first thing you post every day is I'm feeling fabulous, and I think to myself, I'm going to kick him in the face hey, because I know, feel like you... junk this morning. Nina, I love when he, when he says, I have woke up and I am feeling fabulous in a sexy kind of way. I'm like, oh, here I know, you go. Right? No, wait, right? no, wait, I wait. I could only not... say that to myself. Only, no, chocolate sexy. Not sexy chocolate. Chocolate sexy. No, there you go. Listen, I know the show's almost over, and your mom hasn't called in. You've kept her. I know. No, hey, no, wait. No, 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 Nina. She did call in. I just put her on hold. Because <laughs> you just don't want me telling her exactly what you're about. I know, right? Hey, look, I got four minutes. Listen, one last word. What do you guys want to say? I got four minutes because I'm going to go out with uh, – I'll see you when I get there. So, you guys, so, well, uh, before you say anything, guys, thank everybody for listening. I want to give my producer, Brenda Temer, for helping me out make this show possible. You've been listening to G Radio, New York City, and this is a tribute to the great late Lou Ross. And in the studio was his lovely wife, Nina, and his lovely daughter, Kendra. So, one last word, ladies. Thank love you. you I love you guys. Um I, I, I'm always here. Email us. Any stories, any questions, uh, keep up on the website. We'll keep you go, um, up to date on what's going on. And thank you. Thank you for not forgetting, and thank you for loving him and, and loving us. And we will continue to give you the best of what we can from Lou. So thank you. And um, I, I, I hope to talk to you guys all again soon. Hey, Anina, okay, Kendra, go ahead. Anything, last words? Every one of you listeners, I appreciate you all. The love that you all had for my father, and he was a great man. But, you know, he had his differences, and we all have our differences. I even got issues, so what else? But anyway. No, wait, Kendra, you got issues? No. Not my sweet daughter. (laughs) (laughs) I got issues. Everybody got issues. But you know what, okay, nothing can't be handled. But thanks, everybody. We love you. I love you guys. I got to play this song. Nina, I love you. Kendra, I love Love you. you. I will call you guys. Okay, listen. I'm not promising I'll call you. Wait, no. Can I finish? Wait, I I won't call you. I may not call you guys back tonight, but you will definitely hear from me tomorrow. 
How about them apples? No, in 2042. Don't, don't make making <laughs> promises of calls that you know darn well you're not going to make. So Okay, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm promising right now. Nina, I promise I'll call you by the close of business tomorrow. Kendra, I promise right. I'll call you by the close of business. You heard it here. I'll let her know if you follow through. All right, babe, thanks so much, and thank you, everybody. I love you tonight. guys. I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Pardon me, do you have change for a quarter? I gotta make a phone call. Thank you. Oh, I hope this woman don't take me to no changes today, because I've had a hard day today, man. You know, let me see what's happening at the address before I go home. How you doing? I hope you're fine. Did your day take you through changes and mess up your mind? I just called to say that I'm on my way. Oh, and I'll see you when I get there. I hope you're in a good mood. You know, a man's home is a castle, and I'm coming home to groove. Oh, and I'll see you when I get there. I'll see you when I get Yeah.